Monday, August 15th, and this is Season 7, Episode 3 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Tommy. What up? Sam. Hey. Jeff. Hello. And Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to get into this conversation, uh, despite the mediocre performance, but the good result. But I think we have to have a little bit of a conversation first, so both, both you and uh, Sam... Uh, had a Arsenal story, huh, Tommy? Uh, not together, but we're it's independent. So I'll start off with mine. Um, so if anybody listens to the summer episode, uh, I mentioned that I had surgery. Um, because of that, I had to do physical therapy, which is down the street from the bar and where I live. So my physical therapist, Kristen, Kristen she's uh, like, I would always wear, like, sometimes wear Spurs shirts. She's saying anything about me? Uh, today she did because <laughs> I mentioned you, which will lead into everything. Um, she, so like, she's like, oh, what's that? It's like, you know, we're my favorite soccer team, blah, blah, getting into it. Um, she tells me today, she's like, oh, I little learned a little more about football today or this past weekend. She's like, my boyfriend and her friend or his friend, yeah, my boyfriend and her fr- and his friends, um, they started watching the premier league. What's their team? Arsenal. I'm like, why? I'm like, it's like, and I realized that's your rival. I'm like. Oh, you know it. And uh, so we kind of delved into that a little bit. Mentioned Lucas because anybody that's ever seen Lucas always has something with spurs on. Um, she's like, like we're talking about, like, you know, sponsors, kits, and all that other stuff. And uh, not going to lie, Kristen, that broke my heart a little bit. <laughs> Thought you were cool. But. Yeah, it's always a shame yeah, when, somebody, when somebody chooses the dark path yeah, instead right? of the light path. Poor but, life choices. <laughs> uh, Sam, what's yours? So, recently I was seeing a girl. Um, Pedo. She was in her 30s. You know what I mean, Tommy. So, anyway, um, find out, like, through, like, her Facebook and stuff like that, that her brothers are all Arsenal fans, which kind of made her an Arsenal fan. She's been to several games at the Emirates. I'm like, things were kind of all... She was about to break things off with me anyway, but I'm like, yeah, this probably isn't going to work. As hanging out with your family make it a little bit too awkward. I may get my balls busted on weekends. Hey, what Not you guys do work. in the bedroom is your own business. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to deal with, but, uh, but there are a lot of Spurs fans out there that do have Arsenal wives and... It's it's a story you hear a, a lot of times, but you just couldn't manage it. It right. seems like. Yeah, I mean, if I, I mean, as an American, if I, I feel like I have more power over choosing whether or not to deal with it. Yeah, you're not gonna you you <laughs> could you could encounter somebody who just doesn't understand the sport at all, and that's a lot easier to manage than than picking the wrong team in the sport. And such a when it's a, a smaller, tight knit community. Of people who follow football, I guess, but um, date somebody who comes from five generations of Arsenal fans. Oh, random gosh. question though, because I know Lucas's answer. Sam told me this yesterday, but for you, Jeff and Anthony, I know you're both married, but for argument's sake, if your significant others were gooners, or I mean, if you were dating them at the time and you found out they're gooners, would that be a deal breaker? You see, it's tough for me to say. I mean, I. Because, because you'll I followed be the sport, I was already married when I started following the sport. Uh, no, but like say like you're in second date in, you're like, 
oh, I watch, or like, oh, I love soccer, Spurs are my team. And then I, they're like, you're seeing me get others were like, yeah, I watch soccer too, I'm an Arsenal fan. The best representation that I can have, I did date a woman, like when I, I grew up a baseball fan in New York, and I, I grew up a Mets fan, I did date a Yankee fan once. So I don't know if that's quite the same because it's not the level of uh, like loyalty, I think. But um, but I I think I probably would would have managed um, okay. back in the day. But I don't have to make that decision. My wife follows Spurs. So. Well, and the way the way to sort it out is you. Tommy mentions anyone that's seen me at the pub or seen me out knows I don't leave the house without the cockerel somewhere, hat, shirt, training top, something, pants. Like I'm always wearing Spurs. So it's like that can never get to a second date. That would be sorted <laughs> immediately where if she was Arsenal, it would get sorted within 10 seconds. She'd be like, oh, you support Tottenham? I'm Arsenal. I'd be like, cool, conversation over. Don't need to take this any further. So you Ex- mock my methods, but I can sort out the oh, bad yeah. eggs from a mile actually, away because, damn, hear, nothing's ordered yet. Before we hear Jeff's answer, you actually had a story, too, on Saturday night. Yeah, there was actually, I was uh, at a bar, and there was a, I was wearing my yellow Ben Davis shirt from a few years ago, obviously, and... There was a girl from Sweden that was an Arsenal fan that came up to me and was like, oh, Spurs suck, like the usual banter. I said, have fun playing on Thursdays in a country I can't pronounce. And she Just was... Sweden. But oh, no, yeah, when they yeah, play okay. in Europa. My bad. And she had mentioned the fact that she's like, yeah, I said, well, we have probably the best one of the best Swedish players around. And she's like, I don't think Dayon's that good. And I was just right off the bat, you're just like, that's the type of ignorant nonsense you deal with when you talk about Gooners. I can, I can say I hate Arsenal to my very core, which I do, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to say that their players are good if they're good. Like, I wouldn't sit there and be like, oh, Van Persie's overrated back in the day, or I don't know, like Thierry Henry's bogus. Like, they're good players. It's so that's just the ignorant goons that, no pun intended, that you deal with <laughs> with those morons where they just literally think, like, oh, well, he plays for Spurs, so he's not good. It's like, Dayon's fucking class, despite yesterday, which is a, probably a good yeah. segue to dig into this game because – well, that was probably let's the hear first Jeff's time answer I could first. <laughs> my answer. My wife is so sports agnostic; it's hard to imagine this ever coming up. Um, I don't, would it be a deal breaker? I guess it depends how rabid they would be. Like if if I was dating somebody and they were a crazy Arsenal fan, like yeah, that would be pretty hard. Or I guess to make or Chelsea would more be worse. Context for you, you know, Patriots fan. Wait, if Dol- she was if she was a Jets fan, or like my best Dol- friend's a Dolphins Jets, fan. Dolphins. There's a Dolphins fan. Yeah, 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 well, I don't know. Right I, yeah. I was like, I feel honored that you called me your best friend. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, Jets, Dolphins, Bills. I guess I don't know. What's the Patriots' biggest rival? Would you ever? They don't have oh, rivals. None of them. They're <laughs> yeah. all they're all below us. Fair. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, to Lucas segue a point. I think we should get into this conversation, and we got to talk about this Chelsea match. So uh, we went into this one. I think most of us were feeling pretty positive and high about this. Like uh, after our performance against Southampton, we were looking um, good. It looked like we were ready to take them on. They they were looking like they were barely scraping past an Everton that's a pretty pitiful side right now. So I think we were feeling confident. But we knew they were going to come out to play against us. It's their home field advantage. We we never do well there. Um, And... We didn't come. We came out of the gates looking good for about the first five minutes, but then it went away really fast. Uh, so, how did you guys feel about this start? Well, to me, I was really confident um, until I saw the lineup come out. I had said to Tommy the night before, all I really wanted to see was at least give me Perisic starting. And the reason being is it's not because I didn't trust Sessegnon in terms of ability. I thought Sessegnon was brilliant against Southampton. 
But all I wanted is I wanted to see the new blood. I really backed Conti the way he handled that first game, keeping the same 11 out there and the message that that sends, which is you got to earn your place in the team. But you're also throwing 11 guys out there, the majority of whom are still aware of this bogey team, bogey ground mentality, have this mental block about Stanford Bridge. The majority of those 11 went out there and got waxed four times last year against this side. So you know it's Chelsea, you know it's Stanford Bridge. You gotta put guys in that aren't afraid of the fact that you're playing at Stanford Bridge. Harry Kane never shows up at Stanford Bridge. Son rarely shows up at like this. I'm not saying bench those guys, but like you had to put some new blood. Like Richarlson, he doesn't care that it's Stanford Bridge. Basuma, he doesn't care that it's Stanford Bridge. But you got guys like on this team that the moment gets bigger than them, and that's where the mentality factor comes in. 90% of this game is mentality, especially at this high level in the Premier League. So you get that mentality switch, and then Chelsea feeds off of it. Like, there's a reason why Chelsea steps their game up every time we play at the bridge. It's not because they're just miraculously turn on to being a great team that day. It's because they can sense the fact that we're nervous, we can't string two passes together, and it's just, that's why I was really bummed to see the lineup not change is because I knew exactly how the midfield was going to play out. I knew exactly how our wingbacks were going to play out. And it just, it, it went exactly like I thought it would. And I, yeah, it was a nightmare from the first minute. Well, I, I wouldn't say the first minute. I thought the first five minutes I thought were pretty good. We, we were coming after them and then it just dissolved. Like once we lost like uh, our momentum, it, 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 it just dissolved fast. So I would say after the fifth minute personally, but um, Jeff? Yeah, I was going to say, the, the first 10 minutes looked really nice, and then as soon as Chelsea got physical, Son and Decky disappeared. Um, and there was and Harry, you know, had n- nothing else Harry to do. Harry got fired so. off the ball like four yeah, times. Yeah, he did yeah. a lot. I mean, it was just, yeah. But that's, like you were saying, that's the story. That's the story of yep. us every time we go there. Um, it was good later when we made subs who came in and, like, gave tit for tat. The, well, I was actually, I took some notes and, like, 16, 16th minute, they had a stat like Chelsea was dominating 70 to 30, and I'm just like, great. So I'm like, for you know, and like how you guys were saying, first five minutes, I think I would say it was relatively even. We did have like two good chances, but I'm like, I don't know if we're going to be able to break this deadlock. And then just overall, like, yeah, I mean, you guys brought up first half that was god awful. Everybody looked out of it, like, whether it be positioning. First passes, yeah, okay, you got it to one guy. But, like, sec- one of the guys I was talking to yesterday, I forget his name, but he's, like, second pass. Or, no, it's the guy from Joshua Street, uh, Spurs. Um, lives in California. Bano? Matt. Matt, yes. And he was like, yeah, second pass is terrible. So, it's like, you know, second half, first five minutes, you know, things look a little bit better, like, tactically. But I'm like, I don't know if we're going to be able to take that step. And, thankfully – Made some subs. I mean, what was it? Uh, 70th minute, we had two subs. But I'm like, I felt like we should have done it at least 70th minute. I I mean, overall, am I happy with the result? Yeah, because I, I wanted to tie. But I'm like, felt like at times with Pochettino where it's like we left the subs too late and then therefore we left the late goal too late, of course. You wanted a tie? You I wanted no, I to was win. Ex- I mean, You're expecting a tie. Yeah, I wanted a tie because I hate my life. No, uh, <laughs> coming in, I'm like, I'll gladly take a tie. Drop. Yeah, I think most of us would gla- so, glad, 
gladly sign up for yeah. that in advance. And we got we it, so I'm like, I'll take but... it. And like, I felt like we earned that point instead of losing two points. Yeah, and, and I think the reason that it switched, because I, I had said it was a nightmare from the first minute, and you guys are absolutely right. There was a, probably like a six to ten minute window where things looked normal in the beginning. But as Jeff had mentioned, the, the reason where, like you usually see at the beginning of a game like that, there's like a little bit of a settling in period and both people are trying to, or both teams are trying to kind of figure out what the rules are in like how this ref is going to manage this game. And the ref made it very clear from Jump Street that it was going to be an open physical game. And once Chelsea kind of honed in on that, after the, like that five to 10 minute window, then it became, they were playing a rugby match and we were playing tennis. Yeah. Like it was, they were full on shouldering dudes throwing people just bodying people every time we had that second pass they were throwing an elbow into the back of somebody's shoulder blades or their neck or something which is fine fair play to them they were quick enough to say if these are the rules we'll exploit you for it and we didn't answer back we didn't say fine well we'll get physical too if you look at the guys to a man you have like Jorginho coming into the back of a guy like Harry Kane or Decky and bullying him off the ball that should not happen on paper those are two of the strongest ball carriers in the Premier League. And Jorginho is not like a unit. It's not like if Treore from Wolves throws you off the ball, it's like, okay, fair. But like they were just up for it physically and we couldn't get over the mental hurdle of this is what kind of game it's going to be and we never adjusted. And to Tommy's point about the subs, I agree with him completely because I don't know what, after 45 minutes, I always ask the question, what did Conti see out there in the first 45 minutes that said, yeah, let's run this out for another 15. Fair point. And I, I thought the same thing. I wanted halftime subs. Uh, but before we kind of shift from this topic of the performance, uh, I want to go to a question, and we'll let Sam answer first. Um, so uh, it, the question comes from Big Bird. He, he kind of uh, yes. points out the performance. Looks like we are now a team fighting for third instead of scraping into fourth. Is this good enough? How do you think Spurs and Chelsea – will develop between now and our next meeting? I mean, be honest, it's kind of tough to see, like, what position we're going to be battling for after two matches, considering how long uh, this season is. The, um, do I think that we're going to be a team battling for third? I picked us to finish third in the division. I mean, the, the league this year. Sorry. Um... I think we're going to continue to be that way. I think we're going to get better as the year goes on. Um, we'll maybe make an addition or two in January that will improve us. Um, but uh, really, I, all in all, I thought the performance yesterday was probably not good enough. I mean, yeah, it's kind of good to get over that, barely getting past that bugaboo at Stanford Bridge. I mean, Harry Kane got a goal in the second ga second game, which means it's important to get it's important to get him going, but I think the performances need to improve, and um, I don't think we have our – we know who, what our best 11 is yet. We'll probably see – but I think we'll see that sooner or later within the next month. Uh, any other answers to that question, uh, Lucas? I think uh, realistically, I think third is what we should be shooting for, or maybe even second, depending on now. This could be a weird year for Liverpool. We saw again today they dropped points. They've gotten, they've played what Fulham and Palace, and they've got two points to show for it. So this could be a weird year for them. 
Um, but I, I think that second or third is what we should be like shooting for. And I think that is reasonably what to expect. Um, we didn't make enough changes in the right areas. I'm actually happy with a lot of the signings we've done this summer, but we didn't make enough changes in the right areas to improve us to a level that we can compete for the league. And of course, I'm mostly speaking about the midfield and wingbacks where our wingbacks are not good enough and you need in the Conti system, you need them to be stellar wingbacks. And we came in and we got Perisic, great. We still, that's one of four that, like of four wingbacks, we can't say like Sessegnon's gonna be healthy. We can't say that Royale and Doherty are even near good enough. We've gone out and got two wingbacks that are in uh, Spence and um, what you doggy the guy that's gonna stay at what Destiny. You, you, yeah, Destiny. So we've got them, but they're future. So they're for the future, they're not for this year. So in terms of this year, we haven't bolstered our wingbacks enough to carry on and compete for a title this year. So I think third is exactly what we can try and shoot for because the rest of the full or wingback signings that we have are apparently like for down the line, which is fine, but like just don't be expecting us to compete for a title this year. Well, well, the window isn't closed yet, to be fair. Uh, I, it doesn't seem like we're going for any more players. It seems like you want to move on some players first before we do any more purchasing. And I do we want, want to, I think we want to hold on to some purchasing power for the winter window, uh, especially after that weird World Cup in the middle of the season. But I, I think that this it, it was always going to be a tough game. I don't know if we can judge our overall performance, how it's going to be this year, based off of this one. This was, this was going to be the one that we always knew was going to be a, a dogfight. Um, and, and we got exactly what it was built for. Uh, it, it was actually pretty entertaining to watch, and it was, it was exciting to be able to um, make Chelsea uh, suffer. <laughs> with a last-minute goal, because how many times have they done that to us? Well, I think the yeah we got a late-minute late or end of the game equalizer. Yeah, that's great. But I'm like the entertaining part. That's all extracurricular stuff. Whether it be end of the match or the fights, like after the Kane goal, hair pulls. Yeah, hair pulls, whatever. <laughs> so I'm like that had. I'm like for me, I'm like if you omitted those out of the game, you had like one thing. You know, that's it. So I'm like, and so. I don't know. It's just – but uh, back to Big Bird's question, though, I'm like, I agree. I'm like, in terms of the transfer, no, yeah, we made some improvements, but I felt like we plateaued. And, I mean, next, what, two weeks, I don't think we're going to make anything. We might sell a player. Like, we can sell Wings or – I mean, where we got rid of LaCelso for on loan, but I'm like, we got rid of Ndombele. Sorry, Jeff, but <laughs> – we gotta have to move on with the Deadwood if we're if we kind of want to. This may say a trombone, but yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know. It's just Anthony. I get your idea in general. It's like expect a dog fight. I'm just I've kind of said this in the past. This team's there's a lot of losers in this team. They don't know how to win. Kind of got some players coming in now, whether it be Perisic and so forth. But I'm like. Conte, you know, a big winner as well, but you also have to – you can't leave that lingering doubt in a player's head as well because they have to get over the hump. I, and how Lucas said, I or Sam said, pretty good third. I don't think we're going to contend for, for the Premier League. I think if we get an FA Cup or League Cup, maybe a double, I'd be satisfied. But we, we, do, we do this all the time, though. We, we – we, 
we looked at the Southampton game. We were all thrilled and excited, and we thought that this, oh, this is, we're looking great. Like, uh, and everybody got excited for, like, now we can take on Chelsea. And then we get exactly what we would normally get out of a Chelsea match. And now, now we're our, are we going to spin in the other direction and say uh, be down on where we're at? I, I think there's a lot of room to grow still. We, we need to see a lot more of the season. We need to at least see 25% of the season before we can really make an assessment of where we're going to be at. But let's go to Jeff. Um, I had picked us to finish second, and this game actually was a good, to me, made me feel better about my pick because – yeah, Chelsea ran roughshod over us for most of that match, and we still drew 2-2 away at at our boogeyman, right? The place that's the hardest place in the world for us to do anything. You know, last year, they destroyed us three times. We weren't in any of those games. And so the difference from last year to this year is pretty stark to me that we can pull out a game like this. Um, and I think we'll just get better and better at that mentality as it goes along. Um, yeah, I think you're right, and like that's what having Antonio Conte is about, isn't it? It's it's about having that belief that you're going to be able to build off of that. Sometimes you have ugly wins or ugly draws, and you're happy to get away with a point, but you move on, and like that that that's a point against a rival. That's a point against a team that's going to be at the top of the table at the end of the year, probably fighting with us. So that's a big point. Yeah, and well, what, to your point, Anthony, when you said like, well, are we going to kind of go too far in the other direction? The reason that I am really, really pissed off about yesterday was because for once we didn't go to Chelsea and they threw out a better team than us. Like our 11 versus that 11 on paper, you play them at, like on paper, we have the better 11, we have the better squad. There's no reason we shouldn't have gone in to that game with the right mentality and got a result that was three points. The problem is, is it's like, for me, it's a mentality issue, which is that's where the linger, it's the same crap that we've seen consistently is there, there wasn't like, it wasn't as if Chelsea created all these amazing, they weren't slicing us open at the back. They weren't just walking through the midfield, everything that they created. Okay, cool. They had a really nice goal off a back, like a deep back in the uh, or back post corner to a guy that just hit it square on. It's like that's gonna happen. And it was Fair a play. Goal and it was it was phenomenal. It's like that happens. But like take away that, and then every other thing that they created was because they just wanted it. They bullied us every like their second goal comes off Kulachevsky getting beasted off the ball, quick flick over to the other side, and now you have a two on one, and Ben Davis is standing there with his like absolutely screwed. There's nothing he can do. Arguably a foul to Kulachevsky. Yeah, but 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 see that's the but thing. He wasn't you calling it all but day. See, that's he wasn't ex- calling it all exactly. day. And that's where Chelsea at the end of the game, Chelsea was bitching about how our two goals shouldn't have counted because of possible fouls. And I'm like, you don't get to bitch about that when the entirety of your performance today was because you took advantage of the physicality. The ref was consistent as could possibly be for the entirety of the game. So you can't bitch, oh, well, there was a bit of hair pulling and we think that Benton Kerr fouled him before Hoybeer's goal so be it you guys fault everyone on every single time and you were the smarter ones that just made that your game plan so that's where for me it really pissed me off was that we didn't have the mentality to say like to just show up it was they didn't create anything because they were better than us they created it because they wanted it more than us and that is where I was pissed but to Jeff's point we played like absolute shit for 90 minutes and if you go play for sh- at Stamford Bridge, our bogey ground, you go play there, play the worst 90 minutes of your life, and you walk out of there with a point, like, 
I mean, I'll, I will take it. But I, I was really disappointed in the way that we turned up today or yesterday. Yeah. So I'm actually glad you brought up the goals. Um, yeah, Chelsea had that. There was some dubiousness when Dayon allegedly got fouled. I do agree he got fouled and they just let it go. And then what angered me more is we started with the back three, went to a back four. Ben Davis gets hung out to dry. Like, I don't blame – I actually – I blame more Romero, if anything, because of he should have been sitting back a little bit more, in my opinion, and should have been back there. And then Davis, you know, stay more to the left. And then once that happened, what, a few minutes later, go to uh, back to a back three. But in terms of the goals, like, if it was called straight down the line, yeah, the hair pull, I'm like, I don't think anybody would have ever really saw that because they're probably focusing on the central part of the play. So fair enough. But like Bencore, where he fouled, what was it, Havertz or somebody? I forget who it was. But I'm like, in my opinion, that was a foul. I mean, am I going to take it? Gladly take, take the no call and get the goal, of course. So I'm like, yeah, we got the result. You scrape through. But I'm like, I don't like how Lucas was saying and I said before. In terms of mentality, I'm like, I think it's clearly still not there. And... We can obviously breathe a sigh of relief, and yeah, we stole we stole points, but I'm like, I don't know. And how you said before, Anthony, it's like, yeah, we should probably see the 25% of the matches, see where we are, but I'm like, if we're going to be fighting with the big boys, better show up. And I'm like, and Chelsea and Al Lucas said, like, on paper, I think, I would say we're, I mean, I think we're relatively even. Overall, but I'm like, the difference was aside from being at Stanford Bridge, they came to play. Uh, that was a nod to the Miz, but um, but yeah, it's so it's like you know they came to play. They they're and like hate to say it, but they're fucking winners. They have this. They won with Tuchel. They and a lot of them are still there. Like Conte has won World Cups. Um, you know, et cetera, and, or, you know, a bunch or play for high profile clubs and one for like top tier league in top tier league. So yeah, that's all. That's all I have to say about that. If we're talking about disappointments, the two things that did disappoint me were that the first goal came off a set piece again, which we saw so many times last year. I mean, it was a nice goal by Koulibaly, but he still wasn't marked. And the second one came off a defensive breakdown, which we saw a lot early last year, too. So hopefully those things don't repeat. But I was surprised when, the, when he finally brought Richarlison in that we went to a 4-2-4. Like, I was expecting Perisic to be right behind him you know, to, to stay in the same formation, and that didn't happen until much later. So it was interesting that he decided to go that way, and things started to shift when he did. So it does kind of show that we won't be the same formation all the time. Well, it, we don't have uh, the uh, the attacking midfield. Like, when, we get, when we're getting beat in the midfield, we don't ha- really have that solution of somebody that can put on and really be the uh, that attacking midfielder. And Conte doesn't play with that. Um, I but think we the, do have him, though. I think Basuma could be that yeah, guy. That's I don't think he's really I'm, attacking, though. I oh, think he's more no, of like he's, a he's, ball carrier. He's more of a box-to-box box 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 guy, but yeah. It, but he can be like Moussa Dembele. Yeah, he but, can be the he can be the water carrier. But, but I'm talking about like the Ericsson. and and team and Conte doesn't really use that type of a player. But Rick Carlson coming on like like Jeff was saying, um, I think 
we are using him in the middle of the pitch more to facilitate. It's just it's a little bit further forward, well, I mean, and, and I think that can work. Go ahead, just no, I'm, tell me. I'm like the argument you made though is like if we played a four-two-three-one for like those ten minutes, at the time it was Richarlison, Son, and Dayon. So I'm like, there's your midfield. I'm like, and Son's more. I guess he's more or less a false nine support striker, if anything. But I'm like. Then we've got the attacking midfield if we did go to a 4-2-3-1. We just got to sh- sort out the two central midfielders. Uh, I mean, Ben Core, he looked okay yesterday. Hoiberg, I mean, yeah, he had a great goal, of course. But, I mean, other than that, I don't know if – I don't think he did that great. So, I'm like, I kind of want to see – I think Skip's fourth choice, of course, but I want to see him play eventually. But I'm like – and we'll talk about this in the second half, but I'm like – Basuma's got to start against Wolves. And I'm not hating against Wolves, but in terms of the team that they have, we can tinker a little bit. I think there's still a little fitness issue there with Basuma. I think Basuma's going to get more minutes when it, it comes down to it. But remember, he had COVID. You don't know where his respiration's at. Like, even if he didn't yeah, have a bad true. case yeah, of it, like you, you have to give him a chance to, to get back up to fitness. And that, that, that just takes a little bit of time. But I think we're going to see more of him. But I don't think he's necessarily like. I think any like. I think our all of our midfielders are pretty like equivalent in skill. They're all pretty good. Like even like you throw a skip in there when he's healthy. Like I think they're all pretty good. But I think certain teams, the way they set up, it, it two just isn't enough. But I think what changed was Rick Carlson was co- covering the middle of the pitch further forward. But it gave us a little bit more more of an outlet there. Um, to get the ball past uh, uh, their their very steady uh, back line, so uh, Lucas, yeah, and so I think the thing though, the reason that our midfield gets the slagging off that they do, and I'm I'm not gonna defend them because I think Hoiber was a nightmare yesterday despite scoring. I think Benton Kerr was very sloppy at best. Even that one that he won back that could have been a foul, like that led to Hoiber's goal, like. The only reason he had to do that challenge was because he lost the ball like an imbecile like two seconds before and then had to go make that challenge, which could have been a yellow. So, But uh, the thing that pisses me off is that they get the slagging because our wingbacks aren't good enough, and I constantly am harping about wingbacks. But it's like when you're Chelsea, you know that everything that we're going to do to come at you is going to come through the middle. We're not going to whip it out to Royale although I do think he played very well yesterday. Like, Sessegnon wasn't carrying the ball forward or making attacking runs. So when you have Conti's system, you need wingbacks. And so you don't need to have, like, the greatest midfield combo of all time. You just need guys that can carry the ball forward and get it out wide who can then get it to your front three, which is Kulu, Kane, and Son, or even Richarlison. So it's they get bogged down by the fact that we can't use the wings. So Chelsea, like, when did uh, Reese James had a yellow card yesterday? When did when when did oh, that happen? Son. Well, yeah. When when was his yellow card? Ooh. It was it was pretty early on. Yep. And how many and how many times did we run at Reese James? Never. If you watched Man City play against uh, Bournemouth this weekend, Bournemouth's uh, the poor bastard. Bournemouth's left back had a he got a yellow in like the third minute, and it was just Kyle Walker just open season was like I'm gonna run at you for the next 45 minutes until you either get a red or we get six goals like that's all they did is they just bombed at this poor guy and it's like that's what you do we get a gift of uh one of their like wing backs having a yellow card and we don't even attack them 
Oh, it's like that's the mentality thing where it's like you have to smell that blood in the water saying if you have wingbacks that know how to run it, guys, and actually create, then you don't need the midfield to be these like savants of passing in the attacking final third. It's like you can have guys like you can have a Basuma Hoybier pairing or a Basuma skip pairing or a Benton Kerr skip pairing. Like you can rotate around if you have the wings that can actually do what you need in a Conti system. Oh, that, that was the I'm glad you mentioned that with Reese James because I was talking to Call. He was the former owner of the Atlantic. He and his son came yesterday and uh, let's tell him, like, why the fuck are we attacking Reese James? Because when, when he got that yellow, I get it. It was a tactical foul why he did it. Fair enough. I, you know, no big deal. But I'm like, fucking attack him. We, I feel like. We didn't go at him once. Yeah, like, ever, like, under Pochettino, we never did that. And then, like, I told Cajal, though, yes, or. When that, or a little bit later, I'm like, he's a Man United fan, for those who don't know. And I'm like, I told him, I'm like, it's same thing last year when uh, Ronaldo had the hat trick against us. I'm like, Harry Maguire had a fucking yellow card against him, and he's a center back. Within 20 minutes. Yeah, and it's like, you go for the kill against him. And we avoided him like the plague. And I'm like, if we, if, what, the five of us, we had a pickup game against five of the biggest, baddest monsters, and one of them had a yellow card... One would think we'd go after them. Like I'm like, I don't know. Like, is there some force field around them that we can't see? I don't. It boggles the mind. I would push you right at that big guy. Well, I'm assuming Tommy would be playing up top, so it'd be your job to run at him. We would facilitate. You'd be our striker of the Fair five right. of us. <laughs> okay, uh, I want to go to uh, one more question that we have from Sh- Shubes. Just the first part of his question. Um, do you have if you don't have an open idea? Do I got it? Oh, uh, she was for the record. Uh, Lucas will have his locks at halftime, so your questions will be answered there. Um, but his question is probably Dayon's toughest game for us since his debut against Brighton. Can't disagree there. Do you see him being the change to bring in Richarlson, or do you think the gaffer will persevere with him? Interesting point, Lucas. What do you got? Yeah, I think I, I'm honestly like. Everything that went wrong yesterday, as I mentioned earlier, to me, it, it was all about physicality. And that is one of Kulichevsky's strongest points. So it's not like there's, there's no red flags. I'm not worried about it. You know, It wasn't like they explo- like exploited some flaw in Kulichevsky's game. He just had a bad day, and he got bullied off the ball a few times. So did Harry Kane, the best player in Europe who's one of the best on the ball that is the hardest to bully off the ball. He got bullied off the ball by everyone. So we just weren't up for it. So I I think to freak out about Kulichevsky's bad game, if we're sitting this far in and he's a, what, 21, 22 now? 22. Yeah, 22-year-old that's having his first bad game and it's away at Stamford Bridge because it was we just weren't up for the physicality, like, that's okay. Like, I I think that we're going to have to find some creative system like, Conti's going to have his hands full, and these are good problems to have. But when you have your front three as Kane, Son, Kulichevsky, and Richarlson, like, you're gonna, you, you have to get a guy of Richarlson's caliber, like, in there. And I think that persevere, Shubes, is a bit of a strong word because of the amount of games we're going to be playing in this crazy schedule that there's going to be so much rotation. There's going to be games where Son doesn't start and is on the bench, and it's like we go Richarlson, Kulu, and Kane. There might be games where it's Sun, Kulu, and Richarlson. So everyone's going to get plenty of game time, and it's going to be a crazy season with three Premier League games a week at some points. So I, I think that like to freak out about how Kulu played yesterday is just 
it, it's not really smart because he's proven that he's capable of doing yeah. like wonderful things, and he might be the best young player in the Premier League. So it, it's and you discovered him too. I did. I'm. I've always said that. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. I think we have to get out of this mindset that there is a nailed-on starting eleven. It's going to vary from week to week, from game to game, depending on what's going on in all the other games we're in. Um, yeah, Decky's not going to get benched because of this game, and Richarlison's not going to replace him. They're both going to play a ton of games. Yeah, it's not. It's not like last year, the last couple of years, where the, we looked at the bench and screamed in horror, right, and woke up in the middle of the night crying. Um, we, you too, <laughs> yeah, all the time. I, I think just the the one point that I would make to Shub's question, I think. It's possible that maybe this would, uh, assuming where Carlson's fully fit and ready to play 90 minutes, that maybe this was a game for him because uh, more than some of the other starters because uh, we always knew it was going to be a fight tooth and nail, and he's kind of made ready. He's made an asshole. The, he's an asshole. We know he's an asshole. So it's why Delhi loved this game so much. So uh, so I um I could I could see the case where maybe he 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 was the right decision for this game over one of the other guys maybe Son maybe Decky but uh, but I, I I don't see it, a replacement happening ever it's just going to be a rotation like everybody's saying did did you you were nodding your head with everything that everybody was saying did you have something to add Sam yeah like I said earlier like we don't know what our best eleven is but we have a best eleven I mean that's why we made all these signings in the summer was you know, to improve our quality of depth. Um, quite frankly, I think we are going to see some changes. Um, some players are probably going to find themselves more regular as the season goes on, as the matches get more important. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, this who started this game is not, you know, the um, uh, nailed in starting 11. Just remember, at this point last year, we had... Tangi and Dombele starting. We had Deli Ali starting. Tanganga. Tanganga. Yes, exactly. It's like, granted, you know, we had a different manager, but, hey, you know, those guys are kind of, you know, they've been pretty much moved on by now. Yeah, no, de- fair point, fair point. Um, I do think we need to move the conversation <laughs> along. We, we have to talk a little bit about the this uh, Conte uh, situation and and the, the, the big hand uh, that, that rocked rock the world i guess uh so let's let's do that like uh what was happening here lucas you want to take that on first well i think the the quote that he said was my favorite where it's like if i see aggression i respond with aggression i was like that was fantastic and sam's told me there was a sh- he showed me a shirt that's already made oh for yeah i think uh your man that runs barstool uh, portnoy yeah, yeah. He, he was putting that out there that's his new aggressivity shirt. yeah it was like uh, it was um to me i think it was a little silly, but if you're Conti, because again, we're not going to have him for Wolves, and now we might. I don't know who's who's even going to be managing against Wolves now. Ryan Mason, <laughs> Ryan Mason, fucking shoot me Does, in the face! Don't but, they have till Thursday to appeal though? Yeah, yeah, I don't know and, if they and will. I hope they do because how how Tuchel didn't get anything in that Conti didn't just shake his hand, walk away, and then like re come to like. Tucho clearly was the one that like held on to his hand, and again, this is all silly bullcrap that we're arguing. But to me, I, I it's think it was it was playground shit. But I loved it for the sense that Conti's like, if my guys aren't going to show up and you're all going to play like cowards out there, well, I'm not going to be. So I love the message that that sent was, it, it was just that 
it was such a it was such a power flex by him saying like I'm gonna go to bat for my guys and that and lead by example and yeah exactly so it's like yeah what he's basically saying is hey guys next time how about I don't get the red card from a firm handshake how about you guys go out there and you battle your asses off and play physical if I've been the most physical one on the pitch and I've been standing in the fucking like on the touchline the whole time that's a problem so I, I really did like it but um yeah I, I that was like if his red card was like the least upset i was about any of the fouls or cards that we got that game what got into tuchel because i mean i don't remember him really having a track record of being quite well, the ass he was yesterday well apparently it, there was bad we expect blood. this from Klopp. it kind of it kind of started on like the, the, on the Hoy- goal. no it yeah, started Hoy- with the hoybier goal because like Tuchel was upset that, like, Benton Kerr's goal or uh, foul wasn't called. And then, like, when, like, as the goal went in, Tuchel ran across Conti to, like, yell at the ref. And, like, they had, like, a bit of a spat. And then it kind of kicked off. And then Tuchel was a dickhead on the second goal and ran right past Conti and did that sprint down the sideline. I thought there was bad huh. blood between them beforehand. Yeah, like, like, there, there was, like, some mind games up. being played during in the lead-up um, with the press. And they're two very the headstrong people, yeah. too. So it's like course something gave right but he's not usually this way i mean you know we expect Klopp to be a crybaby anytime you know somebody takes a point off liverpool but but not tuchel usually so he was really keyed up maybe because the boss man was there in the stands watching or something it could be that i mean but it's also it's uh, this is his first rival competition of the year so he's and it's at his home i can understand it somewhat but yeah i just want to say like um First off, like I really thought that it was for the most part unnecessary. Um, of what it, Tuchel did, or well, you know what they both did. Okay. I mean, Conte can take Yeah, you do kind of have to like uh, set the example, but at the same time, um, the, I kind of was in the lead up. I was reading that you know they they were kind of playing mind games with each other in the lead up to the match. So, like, when all this was going on in the second half, I wasn't surprised. Um, and then when it blew up at the end, was not surprised again. And um, I'll give Conte credit to this. Um, he went straight on and addressed it. If you've seen any of Tuchel's post-match interviews yesterday, he's not addressing that at all. He's just trying to point the finger at the refs. I'm like, bro, shut up. You know, there was something that happened. People want answers. Man up and own up to it. Come on, bro. He yeah. and Reese James both said in their post-match interviews that neither goal should have counted. And that's what I harped on earlier is that it's like you don't get to reap the rewards of a ref calling no fouls for the entire game. They're being you don't get, Yeah, you don't get to reap the rewards of that for 90 minutes and then turn around the two times it didn't work out for you. So... Yeah. Suck it. It's, Fuck like, off. it's, it's yeah. like well, uh, Tony LaRusso's St. Louis Cardinals. Can't stand that. <laughs> well, plus, then he questioned the ref's integrity. Yeah. yeah which you <laughs> can do for all, pretty much any Premier League ref. But still, he can expect a nice fine and probably a further ban for that, too. He just kind of doubled down on the whole thing. Well, I, hope we, I hope he gets a significant ban it, for that. Considering yeah. that's, you know, he's caused, he's like stirred the minds of every Chelsea fan on social media now that they've got a 10,000 signature position. Uh, petition to uh oh yeah you know, to not have anthony taylor ref another match i'm like 
I'm like, you know oh. what? To, to me though, that's fantastic because it's it's all going to be nonsense, and then the next time he does ref, they're going to be all freaked out. Yeah. So I, I don't have time for like Chelsea fans. They're, they're creating have, their own mind yeah, games. Yeah, exactly. They're they're buying <laughs> they're like in their own. Yeah, games. they're getting in their own <laughs> kitchen. So it, to me, I love it. And there's there's I have no time for Chelsea fans and their bullshit. So the we did over yeah. there. Go cry in it. Yeah, I, I don't need to care about their petitions and crap like that. Well, let's go to MVP, LVP, and we are going to start with Tommy first for MVP. All right. Um, this person was a sub, but I felt the fact that when he came on, everything changed. I'm giving it to Richarlson. I I hear that. Yeah, the, and, and I'm going to jump in. Uh, that was uh, – I thought I was going to be the one to pick him. He was mine as well, so I'm going with cool. you, Tommy. Uh, Sam, who do you have? Um, you didn't have the best game, but I'm going to say Romero. He clearly came to play in that match. Um, you can see um, there was a video that went viral of him getting in Reese James's face right after the Harry Kane goal. And furthermore, we all saw how him and uh, uh, Havertz butted heads. I kind of thought he was – I was afraid for Havertz at that point. I thought Romero was about to eat him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but – I kind of thought that he displayed that the mentality that we need going into these matches, and it's kind of why we uh, purchased him. So I'll go there. Good show. Good show. Uh, d- despite the – there were some performance issues or the, the <laughs> I hair pull. Say, I have the a hair pull very issue. different take on that. <laughs> the hair pull issue, but uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Jeff? How can you not pull Cucurella's hair? I mean, it's just begging you to when you see <laughs> it. Like it is. Sideshow yes, yeah, Sideshow Bob. I want to see if it's real, you know. He's yeah. trying to be the new David Luiz. <laughs> it deserves it if he's that ugly for crying out loud. No, um, no blame his parents for his ugliness, yeah. not him. Um, yeah, I was torn between Richarlison and Perisic. Um, I thought they both made a huge difference, but I will back Tommy up and say Richarlison. I mean, once he came out there and was buzzing around, um, you know, <laughs> all so over the Chelsea players, I thought, that, yeah, that really started to turn like, things. So much. I'm like, you know, he's an asshole, but like, there was so much bite to him, and it was his debut. And, like, he was re- ready to go. So I'm like, you know, and I'm like, I fucking hated him before because he always dove a lot, but I'm like, he dove against. Chelsea yesterday, I would have ate it up because it would piss all of them off. Yeah. Uh, Lucas? Uh, yeah, I actually think um, this was this one was a little bit difficult because I, I thought all of our subs played great. I think Lucas Mora, as everyone knows, my fellow <laughs> Lucas, I thought he played fantastic and he came on, made a big impact. He was the first person that Chelsea came in with like a rugby shoulder that didn't lose the ball. He said, okay, I'm used to it. I don't care about Stanford Bridge, so I loved seeing that. But Richarlson, same way. Like, what a what an impact he made. But for me, it's Perisic by a mile. Uh, he is he is miles ahead of the rest of us. And Tommy talked about we don't have winners. It's he's a winner. He's a guy that shows up and can. He's like I've bashed in a cracker in a World Cup final. Like, so it's he is miles ahead. Even the way he takes throw-ins. How many times in the he, – I think he did it like two or three times where we had like a, a throw-in in the final third, and he did this awesome run-up and whipped in what was equivalent to a corner by whipping it into the box. It's like we haven't had someone that knows those tricks of the trade or how to do the things. He whipped in – I think he was the one that took the corner for the Kane goal at the end, which was the most threatening corner we've had in a decade. So it's like, yeah, he is just – he's miles ahead of everyone else 
on just the simple like we haven't had a guy like that before and it is so refreshing to see so uh, i thought he was fantastic yesterday so okay. i think perisic by a mile let's do lvb tommy uh everybody knows i'm his biggest fan but sorry Dayon, <laughs> gotta give it to you today or yesterday yeah it wasn't his best day out uh who do you have sam i have son i forgot that he played in this game enough said yeah, Sun was was not not very good, and he didn't he lose a ball that led to a, the, the yeah. one goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he led he lost the ball that led to the corner that led to gave the goal. Up, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. So I get that one as well, uh, Jeff. Yeah, I I completely agree with Sam. I think it was Sun. Um, after that first ten minutes, when Chelsea started bodying him, he could not hold on to anything. He was a constant turnover machine, and he finally just vanished. I thought Richarlison was coming in for him. Uh, quite honestly, I thought he was going to come. In for I thought he out. was too. Yeah. Who did? Did he come on for Cess? Was yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Cess That's what he wants that for. Uh, Lucas. Yeah. Uh, I'll read. <laughs> I have a list of people that were in contention. I thought Romero. Yes, loved his chipper spirit yesterday, but I thought like on the pitch he was woeful. He was horrific yesterday. It was probably his worst game that he's had for us. Uh, Sun, Kulu, Bentonker, Sess, all up there. Um, but I was going to say Hoybier. I mean, even though he scored, he was an absolute ghost. He lost the ball consistently, could not find a second pass. Like, it was – if the wingbacks aren't going to be there – then you have to kind of show up in the middle, and it was he and Bentinker looked like they were so out of their, just out of their depth. And I thought Hoybier was just horrific yesterday. But he scored a goal. Yeah. He scored a goal. One lucky crack. Oh no! It's like, yeah, I know. I know you're taking the piss, but it's like yeah. one lucky crack. It's just like it can't save you from because it wasn't like Kane played well yesterday either. But he popped up at the last second, so. <laughs> Now he's a legend, but you're like, dude, you were a ghost for 95 minutes. Well, so. we know Harry Kane. All he needs is that one goal to get going. Look out, Wolves. He got well, an August goal. <laughs> yeah, well, Mr. Well, August. Well, Lucas, I understand your point because at halftime I was I was calling for them to take off Hoybier yeah, and, oh and both wingbacks yeah. and bring on, like, Lucas uh, uh, yes. Perisic. And, Anyone with a pulse and, at that Especially, point, nice like, at, at the, after the Reese yeah. James yellow card, I thought, you know, yeah. Perisic has to come on. Or Lucas but, Moore is the king of just running at people, so yeah. that would have been a nice he change. Draws a but of but, uh, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go with the other guys and say Sun. Sun was pretty woeful. Like I definitely uh, wanted him subbed off uh, early on in this one as well. So for him, for me, he's my M- LVP as well. Um, I think that was a good half, but that about wraps it up. Um, second half, we are going to talk a little bit about outgoing transfers, and then we will preview the Wolves game. But first, we are going to go to Luke's Locks. All right, boys, here we go. Luke's Locks, first ones of the season. First up, we're going to take our beloved Tottenham Hotspur at home versus Wolves at minus one and a half goals. Spurs, as we know, are coming off a very poor performance at Chelsea. And we'll be looking forward to getting back home, bouncing back strong, and I think... We'll see Spurs firepower win out and cover the one-and-a-half goal spread at home versus Wolves. So take us on that one. Next up, we're going to take Leicester minus a half a goal at home versus Southampton. Leicester has one point from six, but has been able to score a couple of goals. They have two in their first two games. They'll be looking to get their first win of the year, and I think Southampton, as we know, could be the perfect team for them to do that against. So take Leicester minus one 
0.5 goal at home. Third, we're going to take Arsenal, and I know I hate giving out this pick, but Arsenal is minus 1.5 goals away against Bournemouth. You guys know I hate giving them out, but it's a sure shot lock, and it's free money. Arsenal has had no problem banging in goals, and Bournemouth, as they showed at the weekend, are very susceptible of taking in a thrashing if they get behind early. So look for Arsenal to have little to no trouble covering the 1.5 goals. Last up, another one that I hate giving out. We're going to take West Ham minus a half goal at home versus Brighton. West Ham have lost both of their opening games and will be desperate to get off the mark with three points. Despite those two losses, West Ham has actually been playing some really good attacking football, and I think that they will play well enough at home here to get the three points. So take West Ham minus five. There you have it. Those are your four free locks. There's your free money. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, we do have one other question, the second half of Shub's question that kind of goes towards your locks and kind of asks you directly. So let's roll into that, and I have the question up. So uh, P.S. Lucas, one of your locks, have you you done a spread bet on how many bookings Cuddy Romero will get this season? Yeah, and I actually took the one that I had bet on was I had found it before the season, actually, and it was over 13 and a half. So I had taken that. So it was set at over 13. So it's one. It's basically like one in every three games he's going to get a yellow. If you if that happens, like I'll win. And that's a bet that I'm I took the over, of course, but I'm very happy to be wrong on that. But as he's. As he's shown in our first two games, it doesn't look like he's capable. Of yeah, I, I don't think he can Is go. Is the bet you took just for Premier League? Yes, okay. it was just Premier League. Just so for 38 games, it was over 13 and a half is what I took. So it was like that's like, I, that's Sandro numbers there. Yeah, it's but again, and as we've seen, it's like he comes in. He could have very been very realistically been sent off. And I think they count that, like, in terms of cards, like, it counts, like, a straight red also counts. So, I think I'll win that bet, unfortunately. Yeah, but. I, I think you probably will. Um, well, thanks for the questions, as always, Shubes. Um, I don't think we're going to really talk about the the third kit. I'm glad that we have it. I think it's better than the second. But does anybody have anything more to say than, about it? Than I that? ordered it already. <laughs> Jeff's got it coming, so uh, Lucas? One thing I did want to say was I brought it up in the group chat because everyone was, like, super upset about the second shirt, and I said the, the, the nice part is that we like this one and that it's the third. A lot of people have said, well, I wish this wasn't the third, but it was, like, our away shirt. You want it to be the third because that's what we're going to wear in Champions League, so it's either going to be white or our cool third shirt. You don't wear your second shirt or your away shirt in the Champions League. You wear your bananas one, which is why we had, in the past, we've worn the one with the, like, the, map. the, the, the map, map on it, the North London map. We wore the one that had, like, the first time we went to Champions League, we wore that, uh, uh, like, autonomy one with, like, the weird neon yellow around. On the side, like, the, yeah, yep. the dark or the dark navy, the navy blue. blue. Yeah, so it's like you wear your bananas one. Because it has to be something that's a little out there. So I'm glad that we've made the second best kit. I'm glad we've made that the third kit so that we can wear that in Champions League. I probably would say we're going to wear those weird away like scuba kits probably at maybe five times in the entire year. So I, yeah. yeah, I could see it being the least yeah, used one. Yeah, we're never going to use it. No, but uh, back to that, like the out there, they're always the third kits. So like the North London map, 
Um, I remember in 2009, 2010. Last year's Cosmo, like... Whose phone is that? Turn it off. Last year's, like, weird, like... I'm looking at you, Sam. Last um, year's weird, like, Cosmo ones that looked like a bowling alley or, like, a bus seat. You know, the yeah. crazy ones. Like, that was our third shirt. So that's what you wear in Europe as your other shirt. Yeah, and, uh, for, of course, people probably didn't know, of course, but I'm getting the third kit, of course. I feel like that's my favorite. The white kits, I feel like, generally speaking, are too plain for me. Um, aside from 2009 and 10, um, with the diagonal stripes, but uh, of course I'm getting day on. But I'm waiting to like World Soccer Shop, Subside Sports. They have uh, they're on sale because word of warning to everybody, and as Lucas would know, for me, I've had a bad track record with ordering a printed shirts on the Spurs website. They just whether peel off. I can categorically cut you off on this. Do not. Please, everyone, continue to buy things through the club. Tommy's had one weird experience. No, he's weird about no, it. No, that's <laughs> yeah. bullshit. There's yeah. like five and on of my this kids. podcast, we will not discourage people from using the Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, and ge- generally speaking, no. So if you buy a non-printed shirt, go for it. But I'm like, if it's a printed shirt, I want it to last. I do not want it to peel after, like with my Bale shirt, <laughs> it peeled after three months. <laughs> I'm going to jump in on Tommy's white thing because my problem with white to wear at the pub is you're going to spill beer on it. It's it's inevitably a celebration is going to happen. Those are marks of honor. Um, uh, but those kits will always yeah, have stains on Yeah, mine already has places. Guinness <laughs> stains on it. Yeah. But, I wore my Lane polo yesterday that has a nice new splash of Guinness on the back. So, but love it. Great conversation <laughs> there, but we have a lot left to talk about. So I want to talk, just talk for just a couple minutes about outgoing transfers and then ask the question, do we think there's any more incoming uh, this window? Um, so outgoing, uh, it looks like both Ndombele and El Celso, Los Celso are done deals. Um, we're not getting much money for them. What do you guys think of that, um, Jeff? Well, they're both loans, right? And yeah. I guess Los Celso is a straight loan, but we have the option to try to sell him in January. And if he doesn't get sold, then he stays with Villarreal, mm-hmm. but and then the Indomitable one, they have an option to buy him for thirty million. <laughs> we go- we were laughing about Indomitable that before. Going to? He's going to um, Napoli. Napoli, because Napoli's fans are furious because they haven't done anything this window. So, so I guess this counts as something. So they'll get the laziest <laughs> scrot out there. No offense, Jeff, but yeah, yeah they're selling their their best player too, Fabian Ruiz to PSG. Yeah. But I want to know, um, we should have a, uh, a bet on who's the last guy out the door then, right? Because it's Winks and Regulon still treating <laughs> Winks all and by Regulon themselves. And it, it could be oh. Tanganga, too. I mean, there's been rumors about him oh, as yeah. well. He, well. He could be a dark horse. Apparently, Tanganga could go to either Roma or AC Milan, allegedly. So maybe if he goes to AC Milan, Zlatan might toughen him up a little bit. Anyways, um I'm going to put my money on Winks because he's going to be a lot of money, or he can be a lot of, or some a panic buy. People could buy him for a higher price at the end. So he's Wink, homegrown. That yeah, gives exactly. A, that so like, add if on, Man United yeah. keep fault, like next week they're playing fucking Liverpool. If they get fucking slaughtered, which we all hope will, I'm assuming they might bite the bone and be like, "Fuck, we need to get a midfielder." Hopefully, it's Winks. No, and so. Uh, Personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way we've handled our guys that are our four ghosts that are Winks, Regulon, Ndombele, Lacelso. The fact that we have them, we've been very public about the fact that they do not train with the first team, which in turn gives anyone that wants to buy them the bargaining power. 
So that's why we're, we're not going to see big returns. We're going to see huge losses. We just have to have the courage to take those losses. So yes, as Jeff and I laughed about, it's a $1 million loan fee for Ndombele and a $30 million option to buy. Nobody's paying that $30 million. Like, you'd be out of your mind to pay that. So no one's going to pay it. But we're probably just going to give him loan after loan. Maybe the same. It's just with maybe winks. But it, it's going to be the same after same. The loan, loan, loan until the contract runs out. But I think that winks is the most valuable in terms of the fact that he's English homegrown. So... I'm a little stunned that no Spanish team or like a French team has come in for Regulon because I think he could fit perfectly into both of those leagues where you don't actually have to defend because everyone sucks. So you can just go be attacking and that can be that. But uh, I really don't think that we'll see any new signings. I think if we did, it would hopefully be a new right wing back that can succeed now, but Another center back, maybe? yeah. But but again, even even that we have like we what, what do we have like five guys that could slot in right now that Conti trusts. Yeah. So that I mean, who knows? I, I think the January window could be crazier after the World <laughs> Cup. But as of right now, it's like I think I think we're gonna take you you have to take a loss on some of these guys, and I think the fact that we've disclaimed that they're not even training at our ground with like our first team says all that we just forfeit all the bargaining power and you have to just be man enough to say look we lost this one we bought him for 65 we sell him for 30 like or we bought him for 45 we sell him for 10 like you just have to be man enough to take the deal and be like look we lost this one let's take that money and use it towards somebody that can help us win now yeah like i mean i was kind of looking at at it and and I knew, like, from the, the get-go, I'm like, if we're demanding big fees for these players, I'm like, they're never going to leave. We've got to be able – it it works, like, at any job, no matter – you know, sometimes you've got people that just don't fit your mission, what you're trying to do. You just have to cut your losses some way, somehow. And we weren't going to get the big fees for this these guys anyway, like – Nobody was going to match Tangy and Domblay's 55 million pound fee. Nobody. Nobody was going to pay what we paid for Lo Celso. And, you know, we're not going to get, like, our complete valuation for Winks. So just cut, cut the losses, move them on, so both parties can be um, – uh, can you know move on with move their on lives. Move on with their careers, and we can move on with our uh, club re- uh moving forward or rebuild or whatever you want to call it. And furthermore, like the definition of a good negotiation is both sides feel that they got screwed. They're just moving on. Yeah, so you guys brought up the point with Ocelso in terms of January. I mean, he's probably, I mean, if he's going, since he's going back to Villarreal, he's probably going to do very well there. So that's one thing. He's probably because of that. He's going to be a de facto starter for Argentina. He's always been picked. Hopefully, he's going to be lights out for that World Cup, which will drive the price further. And since it's going to be January, people are going to buy because it's going to be recent memory. It's you know with transfers, it's always what have you done for me lately. So with that, I'm not saying we're going to get the 50 plus million for him. Of course, if we can get 30, I'll take it. Was of it, course. Remember and that. Then, remember that year that like. Uh, 
Real Madrid bought Jaimez Rodriguez for like a bazillion dollars after the World Cup. Oh, yeah. It's like that. We could get that for Lo Celso. <laughs> like if he just shows up, has a special World Cup or something, it's like. Yeah. He, he or usually Sola plays well for his international team, too. Or yeah, better than he plays for us. Yeah, he's a guaranteed starter. Or I would say my, my biggest thing, A, fuck Barcelona because they're terrible with their finances. Let's see if they'll bite and pay top dollar because they're uh, fucking stupid. That would be amazing. Because for those who don't know, Barcelona, they're so poor they can't even pay attention. That's how bad it is for them. So, but um, in terms – oh, sorry. You have something about that, Jeff? No, no. When you're done. I just, oh, uh, my last thing about Regulon. Um, I brought it up in one of our group chats. My argument for him is let's just send him out on loan right now and hear me out. My argument is if we don't win anything this season, for argument's sake, Conte might not come back and pick up the op or b- do the option. So because of that, he's gone. If we get somebody like Grandpa and with the new – if Conte leaves, we get a new manager – it's pr- we're not going to get a hot shot manager. It's going to be probably an up and comer like we did with Marniol, AVB, Pochettino, etc. And they're probably going to play the de facto uh, norm right now four two three one. Right, and we we've seen with Regulon, he's been serviceable with that. So if that's the case, he comes back. He might get a second lease on life here. So but yeah, Jeff, he'd be the one I'd rather loan out. Yeah, yeah. But Jeff, go ahead. No, I was going to say, supposedly the Evening Standard had said that Winks turned down a couple loans early in the window, too. They didn't say who, too. But, all right, so if the door slams shut and Winks is still here, do you guys think he gets reintegrated into the squad, or does he get to go play by himself until January? There'd be a lot of injuries, I think. No, um, so, and, and you brought up such a good point, and it's something that not a lot of people think about, is that if you have the power to turn down these loans or these moves, a lot of people do. It's the same thing Danny Rose did. It's you're making top dollar at the best training facility in Europe and you're making great wages and you live in a major city. You're not sitting in like you're not Burnley. Training. Yeah, you're not sitting in Burnley or Norwich or Wolves or up at Sunderland or like fucking you're literally in London you live in London and you train in the best ground of all time and you sit there and you're making 100k a week let's say why the hell and they're like well we want to ship you to this other team that sucks we want to send you to Portsmouth you're going to be like well no that sounds awful i don't want to go move there like my life is here so that's a thing that not a lot of people take into account is that of course he's going to veto these moves unless he's getting a bona fide offer of someone that wants to go win and can compete like in is a city that matters <laughs> in terms of like your living situation. There's so many things that you have to take into account. And I, I don't think that we will see Winks go for less. I think Winks will be the one that we're hard. Like Levy will be like the biggest hard line on because of he's homegrown. The this homegrown is, factor. We want to exactly. get value for him. So it, it, he's the one, he's the one that we're probably going to be like, 25 yeah you know, like that that one we're going to be hard line on where the rest of them you're like all right look regulon like go do whatever like but i i think winks <laughs> will, make me an offer yeah exactly so i i think that with winks we'll see but it, as far as like would he get re like integrated into the squad like i i don't see a way like there's no there's there's no coming back from this 
there's a reason why he trains separately, and I can't imagine how uncomfortable that would be for him, by the way. These are guys that he played, like Dyer, Davis, Kane, Son. These are guys that he played in Champions League, like, champion. He was like, these guys all played together in Barcelona. And to be like, hey, like, good luck next week against Wolves. I'm training with the U23s. Like, there's no way you get reintegrated into that. Like, it's it's... Conti's made it clear. It's like he's not part of the plans. He's out. Well, and you have to feel a little bad for him because he, he he grew up a Spurs fan. He, he's one. He, he, I think he knows. He it's, played it's in his organization. Personal. It's it's a business, and yeah, it's the same reason. If we were to sell Kane for two hundred million tomorrow, like I'd take it. Like it's it's a business. I think he also knows this. He's probably not up to snuff, but I think us fans also know. It's like, yeah, he's not up to snuff, but he didn't do anything wrong. It's not like Ndombele or Adebayor years before. Like they're just rabble rousers and assholes and you know just like the bad apple in the squad so yeah you, you got to kind of feel bad for winks regardless of uh, like how you feel about yeah. his and his play and he's also about to hit his age-wise his prime so it's like you know he should be making more money now so i'm like he should be playing yeah i'm yeah. like i'm so for me i hope there's a swift resolution because now I'm, I'm at the point in time in my personal life age-wise where make your money play and then you can ride off in the sunset. Like I don't want—I don't want to hold anybody hostage. It, like, could be the person I hate the most, soccer player I hate the most. Like, I'm—I'd rather not do that. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about transfers when we get closer to the deadline day for sure. Um, but we have a match that we have to preview here. So, this weekend we take on Wolves at home uh, this Saturday. Um, that's bright and early, six thirty a.m. here in Chicago. So everybody, get up early. Pub will be open at six if you live here in Chicago. Um, but they're currently sitting in fourteenth place, whatever league place means at this point. But they um, they uh, lost to at home to Fulham. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They uh, they drew at home to Fulham and, and uh, lost away to Leeds uh, this season so far. Um, they got a goal from uh, Pondens, and Huang has their one assist. Um, Neves is their top-rated player right now. But um, we've actually handled them fairly well, other than the most recent loss that we'll all remember that kind of stings still, that uh, that February uh, 13th one that um, that was kind of painful. Um, but other than that, we've beat them the, the prior three times and then drew prior to that. So... We've been handling him well. Other than that, how are you guys feeling about this uh, Wolves match? So the thing for me is when it comes to the amount, like the point total we had last season, you want to look at that and you say, do what you did last year and then improve on the results that you dropped last year. So as of this year, we got three against Southampton at home. Those were, we lost at home last year. We lost away to Chelsea last year. We just got a point. So we have four points that we didn't have last year. This now falls into that same exact criteria where we went to Wolves on, I think, game two last year, and Delhi had, like, a penalty. So, But this is Wolves at home. They came and got two weird goals off of, like, Hugo blunders. It was, like, Hugo's nightmare game, and we didn't show up, and we lost at home. So we now have the opportunity to get seven points that we didn't have against teams in these exact fixtures last year. So I'm 100% believing that we're going to show up for this. And I think the fact that we played so poorly against Chelsea, but had the end like positive momentum going forward with like Harry 
Harry even said in this interview after Chelsea that like he actually let like a Freudian slip. He said like great to get the win today because it felt like a win. So like if we can use that momentum going forward and the fact that we didn't play like we played like shit, Conte's got to have us toned up. And this is an opportunity to go ahead and get seven points out of nine that we didn't have last year. So I I, I think we're absolutely going to show up. Only thing that terrifies me, of course, Traore. It's going to be, like, Traore at some point is going to have, like, a one-on-one with Hugo or a, like, crazy cross that leads to a goal. But, again, I gave this away in Luke's locks as a pick. I think we're going to show up, and I think we're going to throw in at least four. Yeah. Okay, well. Random thought, since as of right now, <laughs> Conte's not going to be on the sideline. The last time Conte was not on the sideline, I think he had COVID, right? It was last sometime last season. And we played like shit. So I'm like, is the mentality going to change with that? I think that might be a big factor for me. It might be a non-issue. We'll see. But um, aside from that, on paper, of course, we should be able to handle them. Um, And I said in the first half, I mean, Anthony, you did bring up a good point about Basuma. You know, is he fully recovered? Could he play the full 90? I'd say bring him out. Maybe he can play 60. Let him start at least. And... See how it goes. Um, integrate some other players. Like, I don't know how Doherty's doing right now or Spence. I mean, I think Emerson Royale has been pretty cromulent thus far. But I'm like, we we have – it's not just bodies in terms of depth. We actually have some quality right now. So, let's prepare for the Champions League. Let's tinker with the lineup a little bit. Let uh, I'm not saying Dayon should be benched, but I'm like, I would like to see where Charleston starts. Uh, you know, I know Oliver Skip's still recovering, so that's a different story, of course. But I'm like, kind of, I mean, I think Ryan Sessegnon could run ragged, but I'm like, I still would like to see Perisic still featured more. But I'm like, but even though he is a – but the argument with that is he is a seasoned professional, and he's played under the Conte system, and he's played in multiple leagues. So I don't think that's the biggest issue. But everything else, though, I like to see some general turnover. And the people that did get benched, Maybe they come on just for some seasoning. Yeah, so um, I think some tinkering with the lineup would be good. I would like to see Parasic start this game. Um, in particular, like against uh, Traore. Um, um, I think that would be... Does Traore start usually? Uh, everyone? Uh, just in He's case. He's more of like a... Sometimes start, sometimes off the bench. So but. yeah, but at the same time, that's always like Luke said. That, that's always like the biggest nightmare in the back of my head. Well, he's gonna run he's, at our wingbacks. Do you? Which wingbacks do you think are going to stand toe to toe with Traore? Yeah, Perisic. I think Perisic is the answer. I think Sessegnon. I love him, and I'm so proud of the way he played against Southampton. And I think he. Wasn't really up for it against Chelsea, but I'm like, there is no way he goes against a Traore. Royale. I didn't even get to mention it in the first half. I was actually, I'm the biggest Royale hater. I was really proud of the way he turned up against Chelsea. He did everything he was asked to. He ran to the end line, tried to get a few crosses in. Like, I was proud of him. He defended valiantly. But it's like, those two guys, like, you're going to throw Traore against them? The last time when we played Wolves, like, when Traore, like, had a beast mode game... The only one that stopped him was Vertonghen because <laughs> he was the best at, like, 
getting what should be yellows and cheeky like tug the edge of your shirt and take you down and just gets randomly called a foul. So it's like, yeah, there's there's a lot to be done in terms of defending against someone like that. And I think that I would love to see Doherty start and I would love to see Perisic start. Yeah. And again, we're going to see the rotation so you can't take it personally as – it, it, like Sessignon can't be like, oh my god, I'm being replaced. Like, no, of course not. Like, we're gonna rotate. Quick point oh, for, by for, Tommy. Yeah, first. for the record, um, he wasn't. He didn't play against Leeds. He wasn't even on the bench. And then Fulham this past weekend, he came off the bench. And I watched so, him, and he was yeah. fucking class. So he I, ran, he ran through. Yeah. So Fulham. The, I. So I mean, we'll see. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, but to be honest, like, you know, a lot of the guys we have have been with us before. They're very, very familiar with this squad because there's, let's face it, there's some mainstays in the Wolves squad ever since they got promoted from the championship. Uh, Raul Jimenez has been a fixture at striker aside from when he um, broke his skull. Um, Traore, other than his loan at Barcelona last year. Um, Neves, um, Potence, um, the only... The one mainstay who's the couple mainstays who've left the squad since then are Doherty and Connor Cody just went on loan to Everton recently. Why I have no idea, but we are familiar with the squad. We kind of are familiar with how they're going to play us. Let's just take what we know and just you know go right at them for crying out loud. Let's 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 take it to them this time. And yeah, and here's my segue is this is a big thing, Tommy, Sam, you guys know because you were in London when this happened, but we've now, it, it feels like we've now made the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Like it now feels like it did at the lane, and it feels like we've kind of made this a fortress. The way we showed up for the Derby, obviously, in May, the way we showed up against Burnley five days or a few days later was massive. Uh, the way we showed up on day one against Southampton, like going one nil down and just the crowd was into it. Like that is the thing is I feel like we've now kind of made our home, our fortress. So that's the thing that we have to take into account is Wolves isn't going to get this cheeky February like free hit at us where they get a bad Hugo, like Hugo just makes a few blunders and they just own us. Like it's it's going to be very different, and I think that the fact that we've made our home our fortress is so important for how we're moving forward, especially in a game like this with a result that we got zero points from last year. So I think I really do think that we're going to turn up, especially after a bad performance against Chelsea. I think guys like Kane, Son, Kulu are just going to be itching to get involved, and I think we might see a Basuma, who, which by the way. If you saw anything about like the celebrations and sh- like Basuma looked like he was the most excited person to be at Tottenham last weekend, he, he was he, he was fucking, about to throw his kit in the yeah. away section. Like, he was about to run and just fight. He was so yeah. He was probably it. happy he doesn't have to fight. Well, he, he defended Conte yeah. too, and right? he was like yeah. yeah. And Conte when Conte was getting in that scrap, it was Basuma and then uh, Fraser Forster yeah, like walked out and they were like nowhere. they were like Conte's personal bodyguards. So yeah, I, I think we'll see. A level of energy that Wolves isn't capable of matching, and we're going to see us turn up and get a great result this weekend. I like that. Well, what, what's your prediction with that? Because we'll go to I will kick so. us off. I'm going to go 4 1. I'm going to say Kane gets two, Sun gets one, and I'm going to go over Charleston gets his debut. 
Oh, that would be nice, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff, what do you have for predictions? Yeah, I think 3-0. Um, I think Kane, Son, and Richarlison. Wait, you or said 3-2? Like Zero. Oh, 3-3 now. Oh, three I nil. predicted 3-0 as well. Oh, well, I'll change it. Uh, you can keep the same prediction as somebody. Kane, Son, Basuma. No, Kane, Son, <laughs> and Richarlison. Okay, I actually was going to predict... Uh, fuck me. <laughs> anyway, let's go to let's Sam. Go to Sam. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know. Like, this fixture kind of sticks in my head just because if you guys know me, like, the day of Wolves at home fixture last year, that was also the day of the Super Bowl. That was a very, very rough Sam's day for me. Day. That was a very, very – yeah, yeah, we, we, we touched on that the, uh, the episode the, the night after. So that was a rough day for me, but and because of that, I feel a little bit nervous coming into this fixture. But I think we come in away with a win. I think it's three one. Um, I'm gonna go with um, Mr. August Harry Kane. I think um, get Decky with one, and um, I'll go with one to Perisic. I think he starts. And he gets one in. Um, I honestly kind of think Sun may be in a little bit of a, a post-Golden Boot funk right now. Um, but that's going to change. Um, just not now. Come August, he's going to get a hat trick. And um, we're, we're going to see this a whole lot more. The square. Yeah. <laughs> more of a rectangle, but who's yeah. polygons. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> So, I'm going to go with 4-0. I, I want to believe that we're going to come out of the gate really well. 4-0 Tottenham or 4-0 Wolves? Wolves, clearly. <laughs> it, I don't think we're going to do it like Brentford where we just blow them out in the first half, but I think we're gonna, it's going to be a controlled game, and we just get these goals in. So, um, I'll say Kane, Son, Basuma, and Richarlison. I like it. Um I'm worried about Conte not being on the pitch, but I, 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 he, he's going to be able to steer the ship from behind the scenes regardless, so it's not that big of a difference, and I'd rather have it be against a team like this. They're, they're not really coming out of the gate strong, so I think we can handle them pr- pretty well. I'm not even sure that they're going to get a goal, but I'm going to predict a 2-0 victory, a little bit more modest. I do think that we get another Harry Kane goal, and I think we get uh, – I think it's a Rick Carlson's turn to get a goal. Like I think he's uh, uh, he he may start or he might be off the bench, but either way, I think he's good for a goal here. Um, and I think we'll see some of the passion that he seems to be showing. Like I really liked his energy in the last match. Um, any final thoughts on the episode before we wrap up this, uh, Jeff? I was just gonna say, if we don't get the rotation this week, we'll definitely get it next week because we've got Forest and West Ham in the same oh, yeah. week. So. And then doesn't United follow after? Yeah, I think so. Isn't Forest yeah. United? Oh, we can play a bunch Forest, of scrubs West against United. United. <laughs> uh, I ain't gonna put it that far, but no, that was a joke. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you always have to worry about United when it's us. But uh, we don't want to be the ones to get them out of their funk. But yeah, thinking ahead, there's gonna be some rotation coming up with the uh, with with the midweek match. Good, good shout there. Any other final thoughts? Fuck Chelsea. <laughs> and yeah. their megastore. Yep. Fuck Chelsea. Um, well, before we go, I want people to call out where they can be reached. So I, I can be – I'm Anthony. I can be reached at 
Callahan42 on Twitter. That's K-A-L-I-H-A-N 42. Uh, Tommy, where can you be reached? Um, so as Anthony said, my name's Tommy. Uh, my avatar is actually an old Zoe D Chanel picture. Um, my Twitter handle is Lily White Coys. So it's uh, the way you spell it. Sam, where can you be reached? So I am in charge of this podcast Twitter account. So um, at Four Star Spurs, if you um, DM me, if you have any questions for me personally or anything about the podcast, um, you could also find me on Facebook, uh, Sam, Sam Mills. Plain and simple. Uh, Jeff, where can you be found? Yeah, I am not on Twitter, although you can go through Sam if you really need to, but I am on Facebook if you want to look for me there. <laughs> Great. And Lucas? Yeah, uh, Lucas, R-U-S-L-U-C-A-S-R-U-S-K-E is my Twitter. Lucas Rusky, one word. Uh, yeah, and again, we encourage all you guys reach out to the podcast Twitter, like at Four Star Spurs, but... If you guys have notes, disagree with some content, like all we want is to just, that's why we do this podcast, is to sit here and discuss Tottenham. So if you guys have questions, concerns, comments, like fire them away at all of us. So couldn't be more happy to interact with anyone listening. Definitely, definitely. But that about wraps it up. So thank you so much to Tommy, Sam, Jeff, and Lucas. Uh, and thanks to Tommy for editing and sound tonight, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Barn Grill. Great to be back here recording. We're going to shoot for three times a week, uh, or three times a month, and uh, one time uh, virtually. Yeah. I'll shoot for three points a week. <laughs> Find us on our many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. Uh, hit the subscribe button and write us a review on those uh, th- those wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.